Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the action of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Spirit of Dragon in the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn, you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that guy, you homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Wednesday, September 23rd, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jake Morris. I wasn't playing my clip to, to break me in real quick, so I don't know what the fuck happened there. But, um... Yeah. Oh, shit! <laughs> now it plays that shit. I clicked on that shit like 30 seconds ago. Anyway, I got a bunch of shit to talk about. Besides all that, though, I do have my guest on the show tonight is Devin Moore. As soon as this thing goes through, 
Jesus Christ. Things is doing that little wheel spinning thing, so. Dev should be on anything. Dev. There, Jay. What's going on, man? I'm good, man. How you been, brother? Good, good. Um, yeah, for whatever reason, this shit was just freezing up on me, so whatever. Um, so, yeah, man, um, it's been a long time since I had you on, so you go back and, you know, do this shit the right way. And uh, so you're going way back. How did you actually, you know, get into wrestling as a kid? Man, I, I started watching it when I was, like, four or five, dude. I loved, like, the 80s fucking Hogan's and Savages and, you know, just the whole thing. And I always watched it just growing up and had an opportunity at 17 to train in a little shithole called DIW down in fucking South Philly, and I took advantage of it, man. And yeah. almost 15 years later, the my 15th year start in November, end of November, and... I'm still here and blows my mind, man. I didn't expect to do half the stuff I've done in that amount of time, and it's just—it's been—it's been a hell of a ride, man. Yeah. I, I love every second of it. Who—who who was your guy as a kid? Like, who was your your favorite dude back then? I was—I was a like Hogan dude at first, but Savage is my favorite dude. I love Macho Man, and, and like Too Cold. In like the early 90s when I started watching WCW because he was doing the 450 and all, I thought that was cool as hell. And I get to work, yeah. work with him so many times, dude. And, like, he's one of my boys. It's just, like, so humble. And, like, you wouldn't expect that. It's just, like, a little kid, like, and, like, we're boys. Like, it, it, it's just, it's surreal. It's awesome. Yeah. Was there a certain moment coming up that you decided that you wanted to actually go and be a wrestler, or was it just something you always wanted to do? I just always wanted to. Like, I always said it as a kid and all, and like I said, the opportunity came to train, and I jumped on it. I was one of, like, six people that, like, got invited down, and I was the only one that stayed. I used to go to, it was my senior year of high school, so I'd do school, get on two buses, go to South Philly, train, get on the last bus that left South Philly, <laughs> get on the other bus and get home, get home, like, 11, 11.30, and I did that four days a week. For like a year, for like good six months to a year. So how was training? Was it you know what you expected, or you know what was it like for actually breaking in once you did get into it? Man, it was it was hard, man. I mean, I started with dudes like uh, Jeans and Joker and all, and I mean mm-hmm. there were days I'd leave there, beat the hell up, Joker beat the shit out of me, <laughs> yeah. you know, testing me, and you know I came back the next day and earned their respect, like you know they're two of my boys still, like. To this day, like especially G's and all, like it's, it's crazy. Like, like Drew Blood too. The four of us all started together. Like we went different paths, but like it's just weird how we just reconnected like years later. And like, you know, we're off the well. We were off the dub. You know, Joker's here and there once in a while. You know, his work schedule and all doesn't really give him the opportunity to be a full time guy. But it's so nice to see him when he's there. Yeah, for sure. Um, when you trained, did you think it was good training? What do you consider good training? Because I know you've been around a lot and you've seen a lot of different styles of training and stuff. I mean, I you like, know, what's your opinion? I think it was good. I mean, we had Cronus, who was, you know, a, a mess for, like, my first two months. But, like, he was good. He was a good teacher, even, like, like he knew what he was talking about. And, like, old indie vet, like, O-Dog, 
like they knew what they were doing. Like, like I, I thought I learned well, but it was kind of like I got I learned the basics and stuff like that, and then kind of got fed to the wolves. I mean, I had my first match yeah. I think after like four months of training, and then me yeah. and Drew Blood kind of just branched off and went to New York and were working the Elks and stuff like that. And kind of like got more experience, you know, going up there and working all the New York guys and stuff like that. Yeah. Doing little shitty indie shows all over. Um, how did you figure out, you know, what style you wanted to work or, you know, what you were looking to do when you actually got into the ring? Like, uh, they gave us some stupid, retarded gimmick at the beginning. Me, Drew Blood, and his other kids started with Steve Hayden, who I missed a death. But they had us be like some PG 13 ripoff. And it was, like, stupid. We were, like, Night at the Roxbury guys. But, like, once that, like, fell apart, like, uh, there was a dude there, Notorious Dick Suave, who's a good friend of mine, actually lives in my neighborhood. He's the, he's the whole mastermind Notorious Inc. It, it was his group. And, like, he finally got me and Drew in it. And we just kind of, like, took it. And he kind of just gave it to us because we started working all kinds of places. And we tried to get him on. But, you know, it's hard to get managers booked. So, yeah. you know, he kind of just handed the gimmick down to us, and we just ran with it. And I kind of just evolved over the years. I went from being, you know, like PW, super babyface, just Devin Moore, Notorious Devin Moore, to scumbag me at CZW, then back to just being Notorious Devin Moore, and now proud member of the nation and, you know, trying to keep the company afloat, man. We're doing our best, the four of us. I mean, that kind of classic kid is... He's a student, but, I mean, I think he stepped up huge this year. I think yeah. he's probably the breakout yeah. star out of that, like, you know, student, like, group, man. I mean, he he survived all three of us in death matches. I mean, he didn't win, but, I mean, he really right. proved himself. Yeah. And he How got the you, um, man. Yeah. yeah. How, um... How did you first get hooked up with Trent and, and all that with PWU? Uh, I met Trent. Well, I was trained at DIW. He showed up one day with uh, probably like Billy Real or something. And uh, I met Ruckus probably a couple, like a month into training and all. And me and him became real cool. Like I was going mm-hmm. like my first indie show was Cage Up Three. And okay. <clears throat> that was like a couple weeks after my first match, and it was just like. Well, I won't be here. Like back then, like place was packed, everybody was into it. Like it was so cool, and like me and Trent just became cool, and he was just always like always giving me advice, and was just always like good to me. So like when they opened up the Animal House, Drew Blood and I didn't drive anywhere to train. It was right around the corner from his house, so we like walked in and kind of just you know trade there for a little bit, earned our spots into the company. Like, Cashmere, like, met us a bunch of times, but he had no idea who we were. And, like, we were mm-hmm. really cool with, like, Rock and Rebel and shit, because Rebel was there at the time. So, like, it kind of worked out. Like, it worked out perfect. And, like, Trent loved us. So, it kind of just, you know, went from there. I mean, I went from probably one of the lowest guys paid there to the second highest. But, All I right. mean, I busted my ass to get there. I mean... How many matches of me and Trent and like Scorpio have thirty plus minute matches and all at the arena killing ourselves? Like, yeah, you know. And I feel like you know you got a bad rap for no reason, man. Like, 
like this. I think it was part Johnny and John hating each other, and they just wouldn't let it go. Like I think if Johnny was smarter, PW would probably still be here. Right. Yeah, I mean, do you think that was a mistake on Johnny's part as far as, you know, kind of going right at Zandig and trying to make like a, you know, us versus them type of thing? What was that, Jay? Uh, do you think that was on, you know, Johnny's part for, you know, really facing the company towards CZW and trying to make it like an us versus them kind of thing? Yeah, I think it was a big downfall with it. Like, he, he's just, he's just really was so gung-ho on it, and we were doing such good business. We were out drawing them. Like, he didn't look at the positives. He was just so gung-ho trying to shut them down, like, instead of just letting them coexist. Like, who cared? Right. None of the boys cared. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was more just them. Do you think, um, I mean, do you think it held guys back at the time, too? Because, it, you know, it became, like, real closed door. Like, you can't work here and you can't work there. It's, you know, you're jumping ship if you took a booking in the other place. Do you think that held guys back, too? Oh, yeah. Because I know John had interest in me for a long time before I actually debuted. And, you know, I couldn't do it. Which, right. you know, it takes money out of our pockets. And it's not like we're making a killing as it is. Right. Um, so, how did it come about that you actually went over to CZW? Um, me and Eddie Kingston came down January of eight just to hang out with people because they had a bunch of people in, like Mickey and all them. And we just came to hang out, and uh, Ruckus grabbed us and wanted us to do the main event. So I told him to call Todd Gordon at PWU and see if it was all right because Todd and Ruckus always got along. And uh, Todd agreed, and he put me on the phone, and Todd told me uh, he's fine with it. Just make sure you hype you and Eddie up for next week at PWU at the end, which I did. And, you know, it went from there. And plus, we kind of knew PWU was kind of going down at the time, and Todd was just like, you know what I mean? I want you to be able to get what you get. Like, I don't want you to, like, stay on here. To, like, I stayed and finished all the dates. Got taken out best of the best that year, but you know I couldn't not stay loyal to the place that made me. You know what I mean? Right. And John so, didn't I understand mean, that. I mean, right. Todd was cool with it, but like John, you know, was trying to get pissed, and it's like, dude, like they're done in April or whatever. Like I'm fulfilling those dates with them. Like, uh-huh. you know, what I mean, I want to be here, but if you can't accept that, like, I'm not like. Like, I like to do good business, dude. Like, anybody I work for, they'll tell you that. I, I, don't, I don't bother them. Like, as long, as long as I get what I'm agreed to get paid and all, we don't have a problem. Now, did that create any heat with Johnny? Because he was the one with the, you know, the big feud against Zandig. Oh, yeah, but at that time, Johnny was already kind of gone, so it didn't really matter. I mean, he was half scared of me then anyway, and me and him already kind of had heat, so it didn't really matter. Plus, what oh, you okay. say, Trent, Trent came in two two months after I did. Mm, yeah. So. Yeah, true. So, you know, breaking into CZW, you guys were still labeled, you know, through the fans' eyes. And I'm sure some of the guys in the back as CWU guys, and they, 
they even ran the angle of kind of like breaking you guys in and sending you right at the hay club. And, um, you know, what was it like getting in there and how much did you really have to prove yourself? I didn't see, like, I think John felt like that, but like I was already cool with Nikki and all them. Like mm-hmm. I wrestled Nikki, like me and Nikki had that awesome match up once we knocked Dustin Lee out in 2008, King of the Death. So, like, me and Nikki were right. cool. I never had a problem. Drew was more the one that had the problem. I mean, Nate beat the shit out of him. Like, we got the bait and switch in TOD 7. We thought we were coming to work blackout, and then we get there, and I had, we ended up working Drake and Nikki, which I was fine yeah. with. I mean, I, you know, nothing happened to me. Like, it took care of me. And... You know, and I saw John's point. I mean, even in the cage of death, dude, like, John didn't, like, take advantage of me. That whole us stalling up there for that mother effing bomb was because he set the tables up wrong, and I told him to destroy me. And he was like, you're sure? And I'm like, destroy me, dude. Like, we're up here. Like, I got it. And I think that earned his respect because after that, like, he kind of let me go after that. He was just like, all right, you're good. Yeah, so, I mean, that that was huge. Um, what was it like going into Cage of Death? I mean, you went from PWU guy to doing a bunch of stuff in CZW, and now you're there, and then you're on the biggest stage of CZW in, in such a short time. You know, what was that like for you? It, after seeing what they built for Cage of Death 10, it was surreal, man. I was just like, wow, like, this is, this is crazy. I mean, people bitch about the things are exploding and stuff like that. But, like, there was a lot of time and effort putting that thing in. Mm-hmm. I mean, things aren't perfect all the time, but I, I enjoyed it. And it, I think it kind of solidified me. I felt like I like I went out there and did what I needed to do, and I think I earned her pain's respect. I mean, shooting star and all everybody off the cage from taking the bump from John. Like, after that, it seemed like a lot more easier, you know, deal with the fans and all that. Like, it seemed like that was what earned their respect because I started, even though I was still a heel at the time, they started kind of being like baby-facing me a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, that's become like a big, big staple of your career too is the hype, the, you know, the jumping off of cages and scaffolds and all that. You're pretty much king of the scaffold match. Um, like, how did that all start? I mean, were you, were you like a bad roofer years ago or like what happened? Yeah. I mean, I still, I mean, I did it for like 10 plus years or whatever. I don't do it right now, but like the scaffold match, I did, I said, I do it. I could do a press off at a PWU and I did it. And then like, we just kind of made it a thing with like Trent wanted to do it. And then like, you know, a couple of people said to me too, like as we're older, like, you know, this is what you're going to be known for. And I'm like, that's fine, dude. Nobody could do it better than me. I mean, DJ Hyde, who never gives compliments, even says that. Like, that's why I'm always in them. And yeah. I try to come up with new, different things to do, too. I mean, like, I liked me and Drake from TOD a couple of years ago. We did a lot of different stuff than, mm-hmm. like, not normally, you know, we normally don't do. Oh. I mean, he's me and Connor. He, he too, threw me off the top rope. Yeah. Crazy shit, man. So I was joking, but you were, you were literally a roofer years ago. Yeah, man. From I was like seventeen to a couple years ago. Okay, so I mean, maybe that's why you're so comfortable up there, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm used to being up high like that, so it doesn't really bother me. And I mean, right. also, I don't take bumps to the floor. If you had like, besides maybe that's a melon from Matt, but 
I usually like to go into the ring. I, I have like a little sense of security. It sounds weird with that just that little bit of padding, but yeah, you know, I mean whatever works. I feel comfortable. It's so crazy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, probably the scariest thing was me and Matt because that whole like top thing shifted on us when we did that Finley roll triangle web, and I swore I just my goal was just not have Matt be Vic Grimes or land in the ropes, and he didn't, and I was so happy. I mean, yeah. I totally hit that barbed wire board. He missed, but I didn't care. I just didn't want him to, like, land in the ropes and, God forbid, something happened to him. Mm-hmm. So I, you've worked for IWA for a long time with E and everything. I don't, According to the computer, you're still a light heavyweight champion. They got you at, like, well over 1,000 days as a light heavyweight champion. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's that. That's good, awesome. But... Yeah, I mean, I've never <laughs> lost it. Yeah. So uh, There's no belt. Got to be the longest never lost or something. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, That's crazy. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, on your uh one of your, one of those uh profile pages it'll tell you like, yeah, you're at the, I, I looked it up last week and you're one thousand one hundred and ten days light heavyweight champion. So Well <laughs> That's crazy. Um So how did you get into working with Ian? Uh we worked together at P W and did a whole program for the title. And yeah. he just really was like happy with me and invited me out there and honestly I had a ball out there and I think that's what kind of let CW fans like me too it was like I was out there working the ricochets and all them and having solid matches and yeah. I think that kind of you know earned their respect too I mean I'm one king I'm one king of the death in my rookie year yeah and went through hell to do it what was that like going in the king of the death match and you know Super prestigious tournament, you know, two day tournament was, and everything. That was my first. I did double death with Joker, and then that was like, like I always did a handful of death matches before that. So like going into that, I, I had butterflies, man. Like I didn't know what to expect. Did the tournament shirtless, learned my lesson. That's why I do my death matches in shirts now. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I was beat up. I mean, I couldn't. Like, my whole right leg was, like, my ankle was swollen, my knee was swollen. On the way home, Nikki, Nick Gage and Danny Havoc would laugh at me. Just to take me a half hour to hobble in to use the bathroom and hobble back out. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it was worth it, dude. Like, that was one of my, like, proud moments, dude. I really was proud of that. Like, for all the, for all the things we went through the, those two days, like, me and Danny being able to walk out, I was happy about because that scaffold was so high. Yeah. How long before did you know that you were, you were going over in that? Because Ian has been pretty uh, infamous for, you know, pulling last second, hey, you know, you're going over here, kid, type shit. I like knew he did with Drake like and Claudio. Yeah. I knew for a month. And he asked me, and I said yes. And then I found out what the finals were, and I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> like, I didn't want to do yeah. 200 tubes and all that shit, but, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I, I felt humbled for him asking me, like, to do it, and, like, I mean, I expected people to shit on it, and no one did. They were all like, he fucking earned it, so I was happy. I felt good because I definitely had butterflies. It was a little worried. Yeah, um... So, you know, you, you've done tons of different things and stuff in the death matches. And, you know, I'm one that's constantly defending this nonsense because, uh, you know, you decided you don't want to do light tubes anymore. You know, what went into that as far as not doing tubes? I mean, I don't blame you for a second, but. 
Yeah, people like say shit, and I'm like, whatever, dude. Like, I I held Nick Cage together, like before that he got better back out and like was smacking him in his face to keep him awake, like. And he like Danny had a I monkey flipped him a corner or something one year he got touched so bad he was like pale white we're going to the hospital and he's telling me please don't let me die in Alabama kind of made me be like you know what they're too unpredictable at least the pain of glass break right but I right. deal with like I'm done with the tubes I was just like I've seen too many people get hurt and like it's only a matter of time before I'm next yeah and I think they're overused. Yeah. They they don't mean anything like it used to. Like yeah, I do barbed wire matches and all in these tournaments and still get the same reaction as these dudes that swing a million dollars in tubes. So I'm content with that. Like yeah, I don't need sure. Yeah. Um. I mean, so what's your thoughts on you know like you know you mentioned Carnage Cup and everything and they're really taking it to a pretty dangerous extent now where they're saying that. You know, even light tubes and barbed wire, that's not enough. We're taking this further and all this other shit. So, I mean, well, what's your thoughts on, idiots. on that mentality? They're idiots. They're idiots, and Kevin Brennan is an idiot. Everyone knows that. And he doesn't use anybody besides, like, head back or dudes and maybe a couple guys. And mm-hmm. they want to stab each other with box cutters and do stupid shit, and they're not going to be happy until somebody dies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the the terrible thing about that, though, is if something bad goes down there, everybody's going to get fucked. I mean, every company that does death matches isn't going to have an easy time. Oh, yeah, and it sucks because, like, DJ, like, legit does his shit legit. Like, everyone takes a blood test and all that shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the state of Delaware cracked down, but, like, I think it's a good thing. Like, everybody knows, you know, everyone's good. And we go out there and, and try to do the best show we can. I mean, this year's wasn't one of the best, but it wasn't horrible at all. I didn't think it was horrible. Matt finally got the win. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've i done non-tournaments so many years that I figured what being Dave did was really fun and different. I mean, I jumped mm-hmm. off his fucking party bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like... You know, like, he threw water on that one pan, and, like, it was fun. Like, and that's what I wanted it to be. Like, we're just, you know, there to wait for the finals. Like, I know my role there. Like, I know how some of them fans get there. They don't care about that. They just want to see the finals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even besides the, um, you know, Carnage Cup type of thing, you know, what's your thoughts on, because, I mean, deathmatch wrestling is really – all of a sudden getting big again. I mean, it was really hitting a low. There wasn't a lot of guys that were doing it. And now it's like, there's like 15 deathmatch tournaments this year. What do, what do you think about it? I think it's, I think it's blowing up good and all, but like, you know, these dudes don't like, I haven't seen half of these kids and haven't heard of them. So I can't really comment on it, but I mean, I guess it's a good thing. I mean, I guess it'd be better if, you know, the Danny's and people like that were getting booked, but, you know, it's a good thing. I mean, I think too many of them is going to fucking burn it out again. Like, I like the CZW, like, mentality. You got your tangle web, you got your cage of death, and tournament of death, and, you know, you'll get your couple little, you know, 
semi-death matches or death matches in between, but, like, it's not overkill, like, that's one thing I like about CZW, you get a mix of everything. Right. Um, and, and in 2010, you went to the finals, too, and, um, you know, up against Bailey. That was Bailey's big win. Um, you know, what was that like, you know, being part of that? I mean, Bailey was doing the deathmatch tournaments for years. I mean, I think 03 or something he started doing them. Ian's dream was me and J.C. Bailey, and we had that killer match at Kings of Extreme that no one will ever see. And he diamond cutter me off this like high scaffold through a bunch of tables like we killed it. So like when Ian told me he wanted me to do it, I was just like, Yeah, like I knew how much it meant to J C so I was definitely down for it. I mean, apparently I've been to more finals than anybody else Ian apparently pointed out too, which I never realized. Um, what do you think about, you know, Ian, Ian gets a, you know, bad rap about a lot of things. I'm sure some of it's his fault, but I mean, what's your thoughts overall on working for Ian? I mean, it is what it is. Like he tries, I get that. And it's like Necro said it best. It's better to go out there and get something than sit at home and not make anything. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, it's not it's not like Ian's like got money, and it's not like he's like holding it from everybody. Like, if the house is down, dude, like, you know, you ain't going to get what you get. Get like, it's not like he's got money put away and he's not paying us. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen right. him give every do- dollar out he's had. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, you were out there a king of death, mm-hmm. and I don't think it, like everybody got paid. All right. So, like, and that was one of the best tournaments I think I've ever been a part of. Like, everybody was showed up that was advertised. Everybody killed it. All right. I, I mean, what Murdoch do you think? Fucking really proved himself. Yeah. What do you think he could do to actually draw the type of numbers that would make him money? I mean, Ian's always been a genius booker. I mean, he's he's really one of the best bookers that the Indies have ever seen. Some of the stuff he comes up with is, you know, leaps and bounds, you know, before anybody else thinks of it. I mean, what could he do? Does he got to move his operation to the East Coast? I mean, what is it that he's going to need to draw those type of numbers? I think he's back, at, he's back in Clarksville, and he drew very well there when he first started and came back because I did his first, like, three or four shows there. And he had, like, 350, 400 people there every show. I think that Clarksville building is going to help. He's running every other Friday, and from what I'm hearing, he's drawing 150, 200 people for the Midwest. That's good. So hopefully he's right. doing sales pick up again. I mean, I hear he's doing good stuff. I know TPI's uh day before Cage's death. Hopefully yeah. I'll be there. Uh yeah. hopefully. I mean I was yelling at him, you heard me. I would, was like, damn, I haven't been here for a year, man. Like what's up with that? All like, right. I know I have a work schedule and all, but damn, like we couldn't figure something out in a year for me to come at least once. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, what was it like going to Japan? I mean, that's that's a huge thing. And oh, I loved it, dude. It was it was really it was really cool. I had a great time. And like, it, they were they treated us like the the boys treated us real good. I mean, I loved just the schedules. Like, working every night was great. 
Cause like, uh, like, it's no like not here where you're working on a Saturday, it's Friday and Saturday, and then all week you're working and you're half sore. Like, your your body's used to it, so it's just like like I felt great every day. Like, like I mean, I I was banged up, my knee was banged up, my shoulder was banged up, but it it was cool. It was all it was awesome, and like the fans were just so respectful and it was great. I mean, they were pulling pictures out like 2001, 2002, and I'm like, where do we even find these? Like, like, yeah, I'm like, like it's real. It's really cool how they like know who you are and all too. Like, like we're at Corrigan and and they came back from intermission and me and Drew Kasai still had like lines, which I thought was crazy because it wasn't like I was selling anything. I was just taking pictures with people with the belt. Yeah. And, but yeah, it was like cool. surreal to me. Me and Kasai, like yeah, like <laughs> we had a line still while the show started. <laughs> And what was your favorite match you had over there, you think? Probably Corrigan Hall against uh, uh, Sasaki and uh, what the hell is his name? Uh, skinny kid does a shooting star like me. Where's Pink? Why can't I think of his name right now? That's going to eat me up. Oh, but I know he beat Rory up. He gave Rory a couple shots. Yeah. I mean, um, but Roy did yeah. good there too. I was proud of him before, and he did really good. With the shooting star press, um, you know, you have that kind of, you know, effortless looking shooting star, kind of like a Billy Kidman, except it doesn't hurt people. Um, you know, where do you you know come up with doing that? You know, that way or, uh, dude, I just in ground pool. I used to run in like the nine foot end and just keep doing that and like like uh i used to be able to do it standing i mean i haven't done i did it in japan was the last time i did a running like press standing i mean i'm sure mm-hmm. i still do it if i tried but that was how i learned how to do it first i was just down the okay. floor i kept running the ropes and i had like a, 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 a like punching bag in there it was like a person i would run in just you know until i got it right and then finally uh it was funny, me and Ruckus were training in Maryland, but we were trying to do it. And how I did it the first time, I, like, took, like, a step on the top rope to, like, the left a little bit, pushed off and landed on these two mattresses. And, like, Ruckus had it on tape. We were taping, like, the training thing. But, like, everybody mm-hmm. went nuts. And then from there, I just started doing it. Like, even to this day sometimes, I just go up there and I look and I just fucking push off and just close my eyes and just hope. <laughs> Like, I can't even explain how I even get around with it because I, I just do it. Like, I've been doing it for so long. It's just, I go up, all right, press time. Yeah. I mean, I like the Abram one, too. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that have them, too, in a lot of different styles and things. Who do you think has got the best star press in the business? I used to like Evan Bourne's a lot. He got height. Yeah. Yeah, that shit is crazy. Yeah, so I know that mad height with that. Um, I mean, what's your opinion on you know the difference between? Um, I mean, what was even the transition like from Zandig to DJ? Uh, it was weird. I mean, it wasn't weird. It was just you know DJ took over the company. I mean, he did good things. People in Japan, you know, he's really trying. He looks out. I mean, we're running more shows. We run, like, Dayton and stuff like that. I mean, we're going up representing the Dublin Canada next month in Nation against IWS. 
So I'm looking forward to that. I mean, it took me 15 years ago to Canada. I've never wrestled in Canada. How weird is that? Oh, wow. Shit, yeah, it's crazy. What would you say the big difference is yeah, between Zandig and DJ? The, uh, DJ, you know, I guess it's better, a little bit better business-wise. I mean, go to Europe, go to Japan and stuff like that. Or like, But I feel John looked out for the boys a little bit more. Not that DJ doesn't, but, like, John always talked about his guys. Where, D, I don't know, DJ feeds into, like, dumb shit sometimes. Love him to death, but, you know. He makes some stupid decisions sometimes that we don't all agree with, and we're the ones that get the heat for it because we're the ones that do it out there. Yeah. Um, how'd you get into working at uh, PWS? Oh, dude, I love that place, man. I mean, I've been there since show three. Me and Kevin Matthews are the two longest guys there, and to see it come from where it started to now, it's so surreal and just, like, awesome, like, I was their first champ. I've held the belt twice. Like, just, it's great. I mean, it's really professional. I walk in. I'm paid as soon as I walk in the door. Like, they got their little TV everywhere. So we still do TV times and all. And it's a good time, man. I mean, everybody's there, wants to be there. They're all happy. There's no drama. It's like a real good yeah. locker room to be in. And the company's good, and they don't get any respect, dude, and I don't get it. I mean, they do shit differently, but, like, they're drawing fucking 1,500, people in their way consistently. They're doing something right. Like, people won't give them any recognition or nothing like that, but, like, they're doing something right. I mean, they're out drawing, like, most of all the other indie fans. Like, you know, they did this little show. I wasn't at CW last month. I was up there for a show they did in Brooklyn. I mean, they had 400 people in this little place that only holds five. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Had Taz there for, like, an appearance. And, like, it, it was it was really cool. I mean, it, and they're trying to, like, branch out and stuff. And, I mean, they're doing good for themselves. And it's, it's good to see it come from where it did. I mean... Kevin and I have been there. We put a lot of work in with Eric, the owner, before him and Pat became, like, partners and all. Like, we were really invested in the product, and it's cool to see it come from, like, him running, you know, four or five times a year to us running every month and drawing the crowd they're drawing. Mm. Yeah. With a handful of indie guys, like, you got me, Miles, Kevin, and the rest are students. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's crazy. And they develop stars. I think that's a that's a good thing. You know, I think that's a problem with DJ. He doesn't develop any stars. Like, like two stars that developed are mostly because of the nation, not two star horns, but we kind of, like, brought Matt in, got Matt, like, helped fucking Matt get over. We got Connor over. Like, I think that's part of the problem, though. Nobody's trying to get, like, help these other kids and get them over. Like, there's no new stars being made. And the guys yeah. that are there, half of them are there for a stepping stone or just, you know, they're put themselves over. They ain't worried, but they don't see the big picture. Like, if you look back the last couple of years, dude, I probably won, like, five matches. And, like, people won't remember that. Like, you know what I mean? Like you said, like, and most of them were when I had the wide title. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your booking has been kind of strange over the years, really. I mean, um, 
I mean, even back when you know you had the world title, what was your thoughts on on your run with the title? First off, it was supposed to be 24 hours. I was supposed to lose it back to Robert Anthony next night. And uh, me and John Moxley cornered DJ and said, no, this is stupid. And then he, you know, got hurt slash flaked out on us. So, like, it kind of wasn't a game plan. Like, I requested the BJ Wentmer match. He brings him in first to lose to Sammy Callahan. So, he meant nothing when he worked me. Like, the, the booking was bad. Like, it wasn't... Like, and I tried to do the best I could with it. And I, like, was getting frustrated because I was the one getting buried for it. It's like, I'm just doing what is, you know what I mean? I'm told. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going into business for myself or nothing like that because, you know what I mean? I didn't need to. Like, my biggest regret was me not falling off Cage of Death 13 and let Masada take the belt because I begged DJ for a month to just put Masada over. That was what the fans wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and we know, all know what happened. That he got caught and he, like, came out and went off. He was legit offended, but, like, dude, like, I told you this. Like, maybe you should listen. I've been around for a while. I've learned from some of the best. Like, I've learned now, like, booking and shit, like, Todd Gordon. I learned shit from Scorpio. Like, maybe, like, take my opinion in consideration, dude. Like, I know what I'm talking about. And he thought, right. for the most part now, I mean, one good thing about the nation is we, like, you know, they're told who we're wrestling, but DJ's not really in control of it. Like, he tells us where he wants to go with it, and we kind of make it work, Danny and myself. And, you know, like now with the Crest Brothers, like the four of us are, like, trying to make this feud work, and hopefully everyone's happy at the web because we're going to kill it. Yeah. I mean, we asked for that match for, like, two years, and DJ's like, go to both faces. Like, it's never been done, like, the nation in Ohio is, like, we should have touched a long time ago. All right, for sure. Um, you know, going back, you know, with um, what we were saying about the death matches and how things don't mean anything anymore, I, you had a match with uh, Shane Strickland. And it was a like a barbed wire board or something like that. No, it was and, um, glass. Was it panes of glass? Yeah, we had one barbed wire board because we had two panes of glass. And I was like, uh, I want a board. <laughs> Okay, I remember, you know, there was a match, and I know barbed wire boards were brought out in a fire escape zone, and um, he was avoiding the barbed wire because, well, I mean, naturally that's what you're supposed to do. Wrestlers aren't supposed to act as if they like. That was, you know, a, and that was the ladder on. match. Yeah, I yeah. remember that now. And then I took the and, big um, double stomp through it. Yeah. And, um, you know, the fans really started getting on him, chanting pussy and this and that. You even got on the mic after the match and, you know, kind of gave him props and everything. But, you know, do you think that the fans have gotten a, a little bit off from, from what it, it's supposed to mean? Because, I mean, you're supposed to be worried about falling into the shit. At least in gimmick, you're supposed to be worried about, you, you know, the sharp shit you're going to fall into. We're, it's all about telling the story. And I, like... And they booed, and that's why I grabbed the mic, because we told a good story. Like, of course you should be scared of it. Like, I'm I'm labeled a deathmatch guy, even though I'm really not. But, like, you know, the fans know I ain't afraid to take it. Like, he, like I thought he did that perfect. Like, why wouldn't he right. be scared of it? Right. Um, that, one of the things I always thought contributed to it over the years, and now it's, it's just become like a pet peeve of mine when I see it, I mean, 
June Kasai is June Kasai, and that, that's fine. But it seems like it became over the years more and more guys are busting light tubes on their heads, biting them in half before the matches. And, it, again, it, if it's supposed to be something dangerous, breaking them on your face before the match, doesn't that take away from, you know, the, the aspect of danger? Yeah, I think I think a lot of people ripped off Kasai's shit. Kasai's shit was cool. And Danny always did the biting of the tubes. I thought those two were good when it because it kind of fit their characters. But like these other guys say it and just think it's cool, and it's like, no, you're being idiots. Like, right. he's a crazy monkey. That's why he does it. And Danny's deathmatch drunkard. That's why he does what he does. Like he's always sure. bit the tube in half. Like, you know, what I mean, like just to, just to intimidate people. It's a whole mind game with them too. Like these other guys just do it. They don't even understand why they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I, I get it because you know it's, it's supposed to show you know you're crazy and shit. But if everybody you know if everybody in the tournament is breaking shit on their head before the match, then it's like all right, well, this is not even dangerous to you guys, you know. It, it, yeah, it like and that's away. what I feel like those two. Yeah, I agree with you too. Those two are like the exception in my book. But yeah, I agree with you. You don't see me like breaking them over my head and shit. All right. Um in uh, 2011, you went to the U.K. and won a tournament over there. Uh, finals against Yuko Miyamoto. What was that like? It was rushed. I mean, the match was only like three minutes because he just went into a match and we went right to the finals. But um, I worked him at Masters of Pain, and we had a real good match. And I think that was part of the reason I went to Japan. Like, he, like, put the word in. And... Like, I had fun with him over there. We took care of each other. I had staples in my head from King of the Death from the week before with Drake. So I wasn't all with it. But um, it was fun, man. It, it was it was cool to, like, win that tournament. Like, I wish I had a trophy for it, but... Yeah. Um, what was your favorite place to go, you know, country-wise? Was it Japan or... Probably Japan and Germany. I loved going to Germany. Always had a good time. They always treated us well. It was always a good time. The fans are great. What do you think is the best deathmatch tournament in the U.S.? Because now you know, they're popping up left and right. There is obviously the mainstays. What do you think is the best tournament, at least prestige-wise? It's got to be King of Death and T.O.D. Well, that's, that's two. <laughs> that's two of them. That has to be those two. I mean, everybody else copies off of them, but those two are, like, are put together pretty fucking good. I mean, DJ goes to, I give him a lot of credit. I bust his balls a lot, but like he goes through a lot to put that show on, and people don't get that. Yeah. And, it, and the draw comes up every year, which is good. Yeah. Um... If you had to pick three matches of your career and make, like, a demo tape or whatever, what would be the three matches you put on there? Me and Trent, PW title, we flew off the scaffold and gave him a diamond cutter off it. Uh, me and Scorpio, probably the last match we did, because I told him I was a good chap style, and we beat the hell out of each other. I mean, my lip was busted open. Like, the next day, we both were, like, limping around. 
<laughs> and, and he like loved me for it. He was just like, "You took the shit, man." I was like, "I wanted to. I wanted to see if I could." And probably third match, I really enjoyed me and Tremont last year at Tangle Web. Show a little bit of everything. And, you know, that's my put one that match in there would be me and Tremont probably. <laughs> I was real proud of Tangle Web. Um. And uh, you were in Best of the Best 9. Um, that was the only Best of the Best that you were ever in. Is that something that, you know, you'd like to accomplish in your career? I, I, ask best every year, I ask every year, and I get the excuse that I'm a former heavyweight champion. And I go, so is Drake. <laughs> Mike. Yeah. But uh, if DJ keeps me out of it, it's whatever. I mean, I'd like to do it, but. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're you're one of those guys that can work all those styles, you know, so well. I mean, you're able to wrestle. You, you can work anybody, pretty much. I mean, you, you're not, you know, afraid of the deathmatch style, and and you can work technical with anybody, high flying, the whole the whole deal. So, um, what do you think it is that keeps him from booking you in that? Uh, part ego, part, you know, just him being him. We have like a love hate relationship. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and he'll usually have me and Danny doing some kind of tag or non-tournament fucking shit anyway, usually. I think he learned that lesson a couple of years ago when he used none of the core guys and he didn't draw good. Um, you know, you were part of the, um, the Acid Fest. Do you think that's something that should still be done or... Because, uh, you know, you get the Chris Cash show every year. DJ didn't really have a lot to do with the Acid Fest, at least as, as far as not the guy who ran it. Um, I've always been one that would like to see something more annually done for Trent. I personally think the best of the best should have turned into Trent's tournament when, when he passed. But, um, you know, it's not my fed. But, uh, you know, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I agree, but, like, down with the sickness has now turned into the show where we, like, look at all of them. Not just fucking Chris now. Now we look at the JC and, you know, Trent and, and brain damage. And it's sad, like, like last year with Strickland, like, that promo was half a shoot. Like, he came out talking that shit. And I was just like, dude, like, I knew all these guys. Like, come out here and disrespect them on the day we're trying to remember our boys. Is it really cool? Because right. yeah. if it wasn't for Trent, there wouldn't be guys like Strickland and me and, you know what I mean, dudes like that. Yeah, yeah definitely not. Who who would you like to work that you haven't worked? You got any dream matches? Homicide. You haven't worked Homicide? Right, isn't that crazy? Holy shit. <clears throat> but I definitely, before he hangs it up, would love to have a one-on-one homicide. Wow, I, that's really surprising you have not worked homicide. I know you've been in, you know, around him a lot. Yeah, right, wow. you think it would have by now, but nope. Shit. But what do you, um, what do you have left to accomplish that you're looking to, that you're looking to do, stuff you haven't done yet? Well, I want to try get like me and Danny had talked about, we want to get the nation out more. We feel like we can go with any fucking 
you know, group around like feel like like we both feel like, you know, the nation can do a lot more than just what we do with the dub. Like we were at Beyond recently. We went out to uh, Cleveland, did that show for the uh, car game. Like, we're just trying to get ourselves, you know, get the nation a little bit more bookings. Because, like, even with Connor, but, like, you're lucky in Danny, like, just kind of want to get out there more and represent and show everybody what the nation can do, man. Because, like, Danny always says in the promos, and ain't shoot, we're like three best friends. And it'd be nice to get more bookings. You know, represent with the nation and, you know, represent the dub, of course, because we're labeled as dub guys, but. Right. It'd be really cool to, you know, expand the nation more because Danny doesn't give, give himself enough credit. Kid King Russell, too. And Lucky yeah, I mean, is fucking amazing. You, I mean, you've been around Danny a lot. Why do you think Danny hasn't been made CZW World Champion yet? I mean, he he's one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world, and he's been he more or less a CZW. He doesn't want it? Because he said, and just like you said about my title reign, they book title reigns like shit. And he just doesn't feel like he needs it. And I kind of, I see his point. He really doesn't. He's his own enemy yeah. there. I mean, yeah. everyone loves him. I mean, he doesn't sound like he needs it to elevate him. I mean, I wish he'd take it and get one. I mean, he should, but I'm really happy for Tremont right now. I'm glad they like. Sure. I'm glad they put it on map. Yeah, I just feel like I you know, at some know point it. or another. Oh no. Nope. Like I found out like right before it happened. I had no idea it was even happening. Oh, wow. So I was, like, surprised as everybody else. That's why we came out and graduated. It was, like, good for him. That's on. Kid killed himself for years. Yeah. Yeah, I always figured with Danny, you know, even if it's not something that was, you know, for Danny, like, he needs it. I, I think it looks good on CZW to have a guy who's, you know, so pretty much exclusive to CZW. I mean, he works other places, but there's there's a lot of other places he doesn't work. So he still looks like a CZW guy while being one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world. I just think it looked good on them. Oh, yeah. He's probably yeah. the best one in the country. Him and Masada. Yeah. Can't, yeah, can't and, you know. Masada. And it's nothing against Tremont because, I mean, he's just killing it everywhere, and you know, rightfully so. But because he's killing it everywhere, he's less so of, like, an exclusive guy, you know, where Danny wins the title, and it's like, look at you know, no one's fucking with this guy, you know. So I, oh, yeah. I love. I, I agree. I agree with it, and I mean, never say never. I mean, he'll probably get it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, with all those guys, you know, going to the WWE. I mean, you work so many of these guys, and the doors really opened with NXT and everything. Had that ever perked your your interest mm-hmm. at some point? I mean. Yeah, I'd I'd love to go down there, but like, I mean, I I still talk to John all the time, talking Moxley. I talk to him all the time. And I mean, he says it too. He's like, you got the skills, but it's just, I'm not good with that politics shit. I got a big mouth. I'll get myself in trouble. Like, I'm a realist. I know it. <laughs> like, they'd sign me. I'd probably get released in a couple months because I'd get smart with somebody. 
<laughs> then, like, look yeah. at Sammy. I mean, Sammy's been down there, what, two years? And they're just finally, you know, pushing him. Do you think that's his mouth, or what is that? Yeah, I don't know what that is. I know he's had injury problems, but, uh, okay. like, you know, like, they're just starting to really utilize him, and he's been there forever. I mean, they've sent guys up quicker, so, yeah, you know, hopefully why, for him, he's, he goes up yeah. soon. He, I mean, he's got the talent and all that. That's why I ask, because, I, I mean, I don't know, man, like, you know, Steen goes in there, and next thing you know, he's you're blinking. He's he's working Cena on pay-per-views, and uh, you know, Sammy's down there, and he yeah, you know, he could work his ass off, and he's he was in completely dark on NXT for a long time. Yeah, he really was, and I I heard a lot of it had to do with injuries and stuff, but like Sammy's good, man. They should take advantage of it. I'm sure yeah. they will. I mean, they got so many guys up there right now that they're pretty good. I mean, they got John and Seth and all them, and they're fucking workhorses. So, you know, the roster's pretty full out there right now, it seems. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And they, um, they and keep stacking that NXT deck. And NXT's going good for themselves, too, so. Yeah. It's shit. Um,. So yeah, I mean, I don't. Oh, one more thing I wanted to ask you too. Um, you're an Eagle fan, right? Oh yeah. What do you think about him? What's going on? I think that Chip Kelly's probably going to shit. Because <laughs> I mean, like, our, like all of a sudden our offense was awesome. They trade folds for Bradford, who hasn't played in two years. He's got two touchdowns and four picks in two games. Like, got rid of Jackson. We got DeMarco Murray. He's got like 11 yards in two games. And he's hurt right now. They took him off today with like a hamstring injury. So, like, I don't think the season's going to be good. Uh, Do you think that it it was a backfired plan? Because it really seemed like he only got Bradford because he expected to trade for Mariota, and and then that didn't happen. So, I mean, I think they move on his part, and, like, maybe they can turn the season around, but, like, I mean, we got Sanchez. Like, (laughs) look what he did for us last year. Right. Yeah, and, and I mean, do you think DeMarco Murray's going to actually produce, you know, when he gets off injury? Or, I mean, do you think it was just the Dallas offensive line that made him look so good? No, I think he will. I mean, he's a good running back. I think he'll, he'll find his groove. He's in a new offense, new place. Yeah. So you think it's just going to be a, kind of a transitional year and then maybe next year they'll bounce back or? I think so. Like, he's got a lot of new guys, whole offensive lines new. Like, you know, they got to get used to playing with each other. Right. And Bradford, like, I don't know. I'm not impressed with him. He can't really move, like, because of his knees and shit. Like, I got a feeling we might see Tebow for the end of the season. <laughs> you think they'll bring him back? Third string quarterback, isn't he? Or they call him. Nah, I think they cut him before the season. Oh, I thought I thought they cut him as a third stringer. 
So I was waiting for the cheeseburger chance to come, but yeah, they caught him. But never mind. But they should yeah, they caught him. Because when they uh, when uh, Romo went down last week, people were like, "Oh, is it going to be Tebow time in Dallas?" And you know, uh, not likely. Nah, Romo will be back in like a month. <sighs> yeah. So yeah, man. Um, is there anything else you want to put out there? Tangle Web, man, come see us in the Crest Terror Down. I mean, we're Absolutely. looking forward to it. It's going to be a good show. PWX 24th. That'll be another good show. We've got Van Dam versus Morrison. Nice. All right, man. But, yeah, man, I definitely want to have you back on, you know, sooner than, uh, sooner than later. And uh, thanks for coming on, man. No, thank you, dude. Definitely. We'll definitely do it again. Awesome. Good to hear you, right, man. Bro. Have a good have a good night, dude. Yeah, I'll see you at the web. Yeah, hopefully, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. You take care, bro. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. You too, bro. All right, bro. All right. So there you go. There's Devin Moore, man. He's a good dude. He's one of my favorite people to talk to. It shows he's always just um, just a really good dude. You know, I've always, always liked talking to Dev. Uh, he's a straight up dude and um can't get enough of that guy. So um yeah man. Um gonna take a break, come back and like I said, I, I got some shit to rant and rave about. I got some football to talk. I got a bunch of different things to to talk about. So uh let me hit this break up and uh come right back. Good night, 
Got news for niggas, got cute for niggas, hot boots for niggas. Put her on the ab, now she got loot for niggas. Duke wanna fair one, rock shoot this nigga. Brownsville projects, I'm not stupid, nigga. Duke a lame cat, fuck that bop this nigga. Paul came back with the fucking cop one, nigga. Shoulda shot this nigga, now the block is thicker. On the run, son, here's my gun, pop this nigga. Can't get locked up, can't go up, pop my nigga. Eating Jack Mac and all kind of slop, my nigga. Worst came to worst and I got knocked, my nigga. Saw par people, so I had to chop a nigga. CO came down and they quickly boxed a nigga. Winning with the throw came out, red lock, my nigga. Called up my girl and the bitches not with the long ass bitch, so no longer rock with ya. Man, I'm locked up, ain't no fucking stopping her. Late night hanging niggas, begging cock and her. When I come home, I'ma put a stop to ya. This is jail shit, yeah. I get the job. To yeah. all them niggas yeah. in the street that I sticked and bucked. When you see me, don't think yeah. shit to rock. Yo, to all the bitches in the world that I licked and fucked. When you see me, don't think yeah. shit to rock. Yo, to all them niggas in my motherfucking click and butt. Don't say shit to rock. Alright, so, um, I guess, you know, real quick, let me run down a couple of TV things I'm into, man. Um, Gotham's back on TV, you know, I'm I'm real big on Gotham, so they, they popped it off, man, right off the bat, they got in some heavy shit, so, um, definitely, if you're into that shit, man, get, get at Gotham, man, they, they're, um, I'm really happy to see that show back, I, I look forward to that show every week, and, uh, they really don't disappoint, you know, right off the bat, they got the Joker dude, and the other chick, like, right out of the Arkham and shit, so now they're, they're popping off, you know, on some crime shit, they're right out, like, right off the bat, um, you know, so it, it shit is gonna go, um, crazy in that show, week to week, they, they always throw twists and turns, they don't do a lot of, like, you know, those bullshit indie shows where, you, you know, go, nothing's really accomplished and nothing really pays off, every show's got somewhat of a payoff to it, you know what I mean, like, you really don't have to wait, like, oh, fuck. It'll have you one more for next week, but it doesn't have you where, you know, fuck, nothing happened next week. You know, they don't, like, tease the whole goddamn show. They throw you a little more tease for next week, but they really, they pay off on a weekly basis, as far as I'm concerned. Um, It's got a lot of fucking action and and, uh, suspense and all that shit. Um, I really didn't watch uh, the WWE pay-per-view over the weekend. I had it on my tablet, but I was watching. I, I got into the, the Orange is the New Black thing. I know I'm way crazy late on that shit, but I generally don't watch a lot of shows anyway. Um, and I just decided to give it a chance, and I like it. So I'm only a couple episodes into the whole thing, so I know I got a long way to go. But um, yeah, I like the show, so I was watching some of that shit. Um, and then uh, last night, the Muppets came on. And I'm a Muppet motherfucking Mark. I mean, anybody who knows me, I mean, shit, I got animal tattooed on my left arm. So, you know, you know, I've been a lifelong Muppet Mark. And um, so going into the show, I had a lot of nervousness somewhat because, I mean, it's, you know, the format that they're going with, they're going with kind of like a 30 Rock type. You know, behind the scenes, uh, you know, kind of thing where they're they're doing the cutaway interviews and talking about shit, and um, you know, more of kind of reality based. So there's a lot of you know question marks that came up, like how how bad is this gonna be, or how is this gonna wind up, and this and that. 
And uh, obviously, you know, when a lot of the trailers and all that shit leading up to it, they, they you know, let everybody know that there was going to be a whole uh, breakup between Miss Piggy and, and Kermit. And the other chick, um, I think her name is Denise or something, and um, she uh, she's like a skinnier pig or something. So right away, all the PC dickheads ran to their fucking computers and blogs and motherfucking news outlets and started bitching about, oh, it's sexist and it's this and that because, you know, he picked a skinnier chick. Get the fuck out of here with this. I'm so tired of PC nonsense. And there was a whole big stupid article um, I read, well, sorry, I skimmed because I, I, I just, I'm not going to even occupy my time with reading a big fucking giant multiple paragraph having article on how the fucking the Muppets needs to be taken down and all this because it, it's not PC enough. The Muppets have always had um, somewhat of an adult-based comedy. Now, it was, wasn't was never raunchy or anything like that, but it always it fell under the heading more of like a, you know, like a, a Tonight Show or not even Tonight Show, you know, like an adult variety show ran by puppets. I mean, that's what the Muppet show was back then. And it was kid-based, but it wasn't kid-based on the level of Sesame Street. Sesame Street was Jim Henson's creation that was based towards the smaller children. And then once you got towards the older, you know, you had a little bit more adult-based humor. And, um, you know, everybody had their different characters. And, and um, you know, Gonzo, he's blowing himself up and shit and, uh, you know, doing crazy shit falling in love with a chicken, uh, you know, the whole deal. Uh, I mean, there there was a lot more to it. The little dude that would come on with a bomb and just blow up the motherfucking set. Um, I mean, there there was a lot of shit that wasn't, you know, 100% child-based humor. Um, you know, Swedish Jeff was always trying to cook a fucking another puppet, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, tons of, tons of things going on that I wouldn't consider them completely you know, kid-based. I mean, they were having, you know, Hollywood stars coming on that show on a weekly basis that the majority of kids didn't know who the fuck they were. You know, all of a sudden, oh, Steve Martin, like, that wasn't, you know, based towards a child. I mean, again, it wasn't raunchy, and I don't think it is now. Um, I was a little bit, and, and again, I'm not, you know, one of these PC offended type dudes. I was a little bit, I don't want to even say put off. I don't know what the word is, but a little hesitant about just a couple of moves that they made in this one. Um, like, like Kermit said some shit like, uh, something about, uh, he used to find Miss Miss Piggy's personality sexy, but then, uh, it turned out she was just abusive and this and this. And to me, it came off a little weird to hear Kermit say sexy and shit. Cause like, he's always played more like the straight laced fucking, you know, goody-goody frog, you know what I mean? Like, the real, like, regardless of, you know, what avenue that the Muppets took, Kermit was always that straight-laced fucking, you know, uh, you know, goody-goody frog. I don't know how else to put that. He was he was always the uh, the politically correct frog, if anything. If anyone else is bugging out, let him bug out. But Kermit was always the uh, the businessman of the group, you know? Um, he was the front man, you know, and, um, 
he said that shit. And then another thing he said, like, uh, my life is like uh, hell wrapped in bacon or some shit. And I was like, oh, it's a little, you know, funny. But I was like, I, just, I don't want to see them pushing it, like, too, too far where Kermit's saying wild shit. You know what I mean? Just, just because that's out of character, not because I'm offended by Kermit saying some shit. I don't give a fuck. I just, I think you should put that in the context of somebody else. Rather than I just I don't need Kermit saying wild shit because that's that's not his personality. That's what I'm all I'm going with is tradition of the Muppets and and um, how I'd like to see the Muppets portrayed. I just don't want them to lose what the fuck they are. You know what I mean? And um, you know the show can get you know a little wild or whatever. But again, you know just put it within the character to make sense. That's all. That's my only criticism as far as that goes. Um, but I'm definitely not on the side of the, you know, the PC nonsense where, you know, everybody's got to make apologies for fucking everything. You know, this, this is the thing. Like, everybody's got an excuse for something, and everybody's got an apology. And, um, you know, everybody's got to backtrack and try to rewrite shit just to make everybody, you know, not offended. And comedians can't make jokes about this because, you know, if this comedian makes jokes about rape and someone in the, the crowd had a relative that was raped, okay, and then you can't make a joke about a black dude because now the black dude in the in the crowd is offended, and then you can't make a joke about the Holocaust because there might be a Jewish guy in the crowd, then you can't make jokes about, um, you know, you, you don't want to say anything negative about childbirth because, man, there could be a pregnant woman in the crowd. Okay, you can keep checking things off this list until this comedy doesn't exist. And that that's the problem with this politically correct thing. It's, it, it's really an attack on comedy as a whole. If you don't think it's funny, if you don't like it, or if you're easily offended, you probably just shouldn't involve yourself in any form of comedy. And when it's trickled down as far as what the fucking Muppets are doing, you know shit is getting bad, man. I mean, they're obviously, you know, on one side of things, they're going at comedians that are known for being raw and being mad that they're raw. Like, what the fuck are you here for? And then on the other side of things, um, you know, things like the Muppets are being so, you know, ran through, you know, an ultra-fine filter and trying to figure out what could be wrong and how could we change it and this and that. It's just, it's disgusting. Not everybody needs their fucking, their back rubbed while they watch everything that, that comes on the TV, movie screen, uh, computer. I mean, it, enough with this shit. People need to get their motherfucking shit together. And and that's that's a blanket fucking statement for all these things that I got to talk about from this this point of the show on. People need to get their motherfucking shit together. And, and we're going to go from one thing to the next. And matter of fact, let me... Um, I should have said that beforehand, but I didn't. Um, all right. Uh, okay, here, here's this. Now, let me just preface this before I get into this. Now, my daughter Mary Jane, see, and, and this is the thing. Um, you know, I don't, I don't talk a lot about the different things that go on with my kids. I'm very protective about that to me. And, and the same thing goes on with the internet. Like, I don't, I, I don't give you updates, minute-to-minute updates on what's going on with my kids. Because to me, my kids are sacred, you know what I mean? And I could wile out about fucking how I feel about wrestling or how I feel about the Niner game or how I feel about this or how I feel about this in life and this and the But I don't, I don't want people to know minute-to-minute what's going on with my kids. Because to me, 
like I said, my kids are sacred. You know, I've, I've gotten into it with people on Facebook, and they'll go at this and they'll go at that. But one thing they can't go with me is my kids because I don't present it to them. So it's one of those things that I always, I'm very, very protective of that because um, it's just, it's the closest thing to me. You know what I mean? So I just can't, I, I don't go above and beyond as far as that thing. So even on this show, you know, I've been doing this for years. You know, I, I don't, you don't hear a lot of combo about my kids and stuff because it just doesn't, uh, I, I'm very protective of it. That's all. So um, my daughter, Mary Jane had her 12th birthday and, um, um, what we've been doing for the past couple of years, as far as her birthday party goes, and it's an excellent idea. Um, Nina's mother's house, she has, um, you know, ample space over there. So, um, they do a big sleepover, which is awesome for many, many reasons. Number one, I don't have to be there. Um, thing is, is ma'am, I love my kids. I don't love other people's kids. I don't, I don't, I don't like them. Um, if I have to spend any extended period of time with them, I might go out and say that I hate them because the noise that comes out of them, um, you know, you hear different attitudes and opinions and stuff. Like when it's your kid, you can correct things because this is how you raise them or this is what you expect out of them. When they're other people's kids, you can't really tell them shit. They could just kind of be what the fuck they are. And that's, that ain't got anything to do with you, but now you're stuck with them. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not a good thing to me. It's scary as hell. So, um, it's a very good situation when they could all be at another venue where they could have lots of time together and really enjoy their, their company in mass amounts. Cause there is like 17 girls. I could not imagine attending such a thing. So anyway, um, she's been really into the Harry Potter thing. So Nina went like above and beyond and she created a a whole scenario, you know, the whole themed party, Harry Harry Potter themed party, lights and candies and pinatas and all sorts of special shit to make the whole thing just, just really top notch for her. And she really just completely set it off, you know, like give her a lot of credit for that shit. Um, you know, if you're friends with her on Facebook, you'll see all the pictures she posted and all that shit. So, um, anyway, so I'm I'm sitting here, you know, no kids in the house because I got, you know, I got the night to myself and um, the kids are all over there partying it up and, and loving shit. And um, all of a sudden, I see this fucking jerk off. She, this woman is blowing up Nina's page. Just just blowing it up, like post after post after post after post after post. Apparently, she's mad because her kid wasn't invited to, to Mary Jane's motherfucking birthday. Oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm putting cases on all you bitches. I don't like your jerk-off name. I don't like your jerk-off face. I don't like your jerk-off behavior. And I don't like you. Jerk off. So this bitch, she starts blowing up this fucking page. And she starts talking about, you know, it's fucked up. Uh, how dare you not invite my daughter and this and this. And she's posting pictures of her kids in Universal Studios at the Harry Potter thing. She starts saying, at least I could take my kids to this. And you guys are just throwing some fake party. 
some bullshit party and first off let's let's keep to the fucking the number one point is that you're mad that you're not there you're mad that your kid's not there so that's that's the number one thing is you can start bashing and trying to downgrade and and um discredit you know what my kid is doing for her fucking birthday but bottom line is you're mad because she wasn't there so that's that's number one number two my kid isn't even friends with your fucking kid. Your kid only fucking knows my kid from being in Girl Scouts, and then you motherfuckers left Girl Fuck Scouts because you, you, you didn't think it was cool fuck. enough. Him off, you got a gun, shoot him in the face. So they left the fucking Girl Scout troop because that shit wasn't good enough for them. They weren't doing enough things, so she started her own shit. So that was the only association that my kid ever had with her kid. They never hung out. The summer just fucking ended. You know, if there was a time for you to, you know, for two kids to hang out, shit would have happened during the fucking summer, no? So, okay, my kid never hung out with her kid. Now, all of a sudden, she's fucking outraged that my kid didn't invite her kid to the party. Well, it's weird that she didn't, that she would because they're not fucking friends. So, that's number one. Then, then the word came out of her motherfucking mouth. Oh, I I uh I heard that that your kid might have called my kid weird, and I should report this for bullying, fucking bullying, bullying, man. I start seeing red when this bullshit has to happen constantly. This is again, motherfuckers need to get their shit together. Now, I this is this podcast is gonna. I'm gonna tell a couple personal stories in, in this podcast because this is how I have to make my points known. Now, I was fucking bullied. I got my ass whooped. I didn't have friends. Motherfuckers didn't like me. I, they saw me as the fucking weak animal, and they would fuck me up. And I always had a mouth on me, so it didn't stop me from telling them to fuck themselves because I didn't like them from the last time they fucked me up. So it wasn't going to, you know, shit wasn't going to change the next time they showed up and started talking some shit. I didn't like the motherfuckers because they fucking hurt me. So you know, but I wasn't, you know what I mean? I wasn't winning nothing, but I sure as fuck wasn't going to be nice to the dudes the next time. So shit like that was going on. There was people that they never caught a win in their life. You know what I mean? These dudes never caught a win in their life, but they saw three or four other other dudes bust my ass. So they're like, shit, here goes my opportunity. I had no problems with these motherfuckers. They just saw me as a fucking an easy go. So they come, they come at me. You know, and at, at times there was three, four other people just just dare to fucking jump on me if if the first motherfucker couldn't get me. You know what I mean? So shit was fucked up, man. And I just I didn't have friends. And and where I lived out here, there was no fucking there was no love for fucking hip hop. And I was I was that motherfucker. I was I was that dude that liked fucking rap music before anybody around here liked fucking rap music because where where I came from up north in Woodbridge or whatever, um, you know, we lived over and it was kinda like, you know, projects. I mean it wasn't, you know, skyscraper projects type thing, but um, you know, we were very multicultural really. I think there was three black three white families in the whole the whole uh, you know, complex or whatever. So you know, I I mean, I I think my first album that I ever got was um, Run DMC shit, um, King of Rock, 
And um, I think that was the first cassette I ever had. I mean, dudes used to be out with boom boxes, and we'd be trying to break dance on cardboard boxes. More times than not, we would just go get the cardboard boxes for, for dudes that knew how to do it. So when I came out here, I listened to a bunch of different shit, but I listened to rap, and that was shit that, that just wasn't fucking cool with people. So it became like, oh, what do you want to be black? What do you want to be black? What do you, you know what I mean? And then people would come at me and shit. Like, like they would come at me about that shit. There was a lot of these motherfuckers out here that were rednecks, and that shit didn't fly with them. It didn't change me from being what I was, but I was unquestionably bullied. And it got to the point where I didn't want to be at fucking school at all. And the teachers would fucking make fun of me. Like, I, I would, you know, go into classes, and I'd be like, fuck, I don't want to do shit. And teachers would be on some, you don't, you know, you're stupid, and you're this and that. Oh, oh, you're not going to do your work again today? I'd be like, yo, fuck you. And it was like, oh, okay, yeah, you again. with it, You know, and they pretty much outcast me. They have these little programs out here that they more or less take you away from the other kids. They don't do shit for you, but they take you away from the other kids and put you in this program where you can't, um, they they pretty much label you a troublemaker. They They put you in this program where, you don't interact with all the good kids, you know? So that that's what it was. And it just sent me down a, a path where I, I wasn't doing anything good. You know, I had not so great shit going on at home. Um, and, you know, it was just like uh, I was definitely bullied. I mean, the, the bottom line, what I'm saying there is I was definitely bullied. So it wasn't until I was fucking when I, when I actually moved up north, you know, a bunch of other shit happened in between that I'm I'm not going to get into because it'll be chronological. Here's my life podcast, but um, and and it wasn't until I got up north that I actually figured out, you know, athleticism really because I never fit into any group to be an athlete to, to be accepted as an athlete or even given a fair shot to to try to test myself this way or that. So I always just got pushed into the worst possible scenario and. That's, that's, to me, that's bullied, you know what I mean? And there's people that had it worse than me. I'm not saying that, dude, I'm the poster child for being bullied. I'm just saying I know what the fuck it is. So when it comes down to one kid might have called you fucking weird because guess what? Maybe you're fucking weird. Your mom's fucking crazy. She's on the fucking internet. Now, first off, she's on the internet posting all this shit on somebody else's fucking wall that she barely fucking knows. Second off, She's tagging her 12-year-old daughter in these things because, oh, her 12-year-old daughter has a Facebook. Mine doesn't, so that shit doesn't compute to me, you know what I mean? So so, so this is the shit that's going on. She's saying how bad it hurts her daughter, but she's tagging her daughter in all this madness that she's putting out there. The example that she's setting that she's putting out there, she's tagging her daughter in like, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. Look how crazy we are. So maybe her kid is fucking weird because, shit, this is her example. This is this is the one who taught her any fucking thing she knows, this crazy motherfucker on the computer. And then I actually heard later because, you know, uh, this, this broad is apparently friends with somebody else that um, Mary Jane's friends with, and I work with their, their parent type thing. And um, they said, oh, yeah, earlier in that day, on her timeline, she had tons of pictures of being at a bar crawl and shit. So this bitch got fucking wasted all day and then got on the fucking internet and started attacking kids' moms and shit, like, on some crazy shit. I mean, it didn't stop the next day. She was still running her mouth and shit. So, um, I mean, Nina blocked her and everything like that. But So it wasn't just like a one night she got drunk and made apologies the next day. There was no apologies. This is how she's rolling. 
So I just thought that was complete awesome bullshit. And I wanted to talk just a little bit about the bullying thing because I just feel like I think, you know, steps should be made as far as making sure kids don't get fucking bullied. Kids don't get pushed into a situation where they can't even fucking graduate school because, you know, their whole mentality on how school is and what is what it's all about changes. And that's, that's a lot of what fucking happened to me. But when it comes down to, like, oh, they, they, they said I'm weird one time, not even to me, and I found out, so therefore I'm being bullied. What the fuck? kind of shit is that you know what i mean like people need to get this shit together it, this is this is not this is not a fucking game man this is real life and this is not going to work out for you in the future when it comes down to you going to get a job and there's some shit you're going to hear that you're not going to like and bully the bully card doesn't work anymore it just works as a kid when your mom or your dad steps into things and then starts calling the schools and making them change this and that, when it gets down to the actual workforce and you accomplishing anything and you getting something bigger and better for yourself in life, that shit ain't going to happen on the fucking bully card because someone called you a nerd or someone called you weird or some bullshit like this. You you got to step the fuck up. I just, I, I can't stand this. Is, this is more of the PC bullshit. That, that is continuing to fucking drown out fucking society. It, it's crazy. You know, the participation trophies where everybody gets one and shit, it doesn't matter whether you win or lost, and they don't keep scoring a game. Like, that type of shit is garbage, absolute garbage. You, you, need, to, you need to have something to strive for, to want to be better, to want to win, to want to to want to work hard for something. If you don't have to work hard for something, if everybody's just going to be equal and everybody gets to just, you know, flop like, you know, you know, like nobody touched you on the floor and then you're going to flop on the floor and the ref's going to call a foul, if that's how life's going to work for you, then you're never going to work hard for shit. And um, it, it's just disgusting. It's just absolutely disgusting on how a lot of this uh, society has turned this way. Um. Let me um take a break, come back, and because I got some, I got some other things. I don't know. Um, what the fuck? I have a lot of stuff on this fucking soundboard, and uh, I didn't uh, separate them. There's not a lot of ways that I could even separate them, so it's not like a, I don't know. Just you know, they're killing themselves. Hey, hey, hey! What are killing themselves? How you want it? How you want it? These are the men who lead the crime families of America. I control 26,000 men, except for dope. We operate in all aspects of organized crime. And if there's one thing I'm sure of, it's that drugs destroy your mind and destroy your home. In the end, it'll only lead our country into ruin. My dude, no whitey, but the garlic jumbo shrimp, lobster tails. When I die, sticking on the slob, I'm in hell. Step with the tail, always.
was God to weapon to kill. Niggas try to jack Jesus, resurrect him the real. Listen, phenomenon, Sean, eight man, King Kong, Sean. Cold world, keep your long jaws on. Beat the shark tail, how the guard AR spark tail. Slick with it, similar to Avon Barksdale. Your arms frail, don't make me pop, you're not. Thank you to heaven to do what's always got in the rock. Uh, the best NEC Paul Ruckers today. Yeah, you better go with the fuck is your chain, motherfucker. I'm a bitch. Mm. I'm about to go eat now, nigga. Fish. You know what I mean? We got catfish, shrimp, lobster tail, whiteies, corgis, rugged, stupidest bitch salad. Ain't no nothing. Corgis and nuts licked, nigga. Rugged fucked up, nigga. Mm. Birthday song, nigga. What I do on my shit, nigga. Feel me? Animal Pisces, nigga. Fish, nigga. What up? Hmm. Motherfucker. Alright, I'm back. Now now let me let me go into this this other deep topic. Nick fucking gauge. Um, look man, my my opinion on this is not the popular one. Um the popular one is that Nick got fucked over and free Nick Gage, and um, everybody help him out, and poor guy, and and uh, all all this stuff. Well, I mean, look, let me let me preface this with, I yeah, I'm a Nick Gage fan, man. I I've been a CZW fan since 2001. I still got the original Nick Gage shirts, uh, red and and uh, red and yellow with the HC, you know, for hardcore Nick. Because that, that's what he was before, you know, all, all the other stuff that came up with the, you know, King of This and uh, MDK and all these other things, right? So I, I've been a Nick Gage fan for years. I was trying to get him on the show before he went to prison. That's that's how long, you know, I've been doing the goddamn show. Um, so, but but here's here's the deal, man. Like, the bottom line is this dude was a drug addict. He is a drug addict. I should say is because um. I'm not one of these people who feels that, you know, once a drug addict, always a drug addict, or once you're an alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic. I'm I'm a former alcoholic as far as I'm concerned because I don't fucking drink. I'm over two years sober. So as far as I'm concerned, I used to be an alcoholic. If I touched alcohol once, I'd be an alcoholic because that tendency is in me. So as long as I am in use of those substances, then I'm, I am that, you know what I mean? I can't do it in moderation. I can't dabble in it i can't fucking i can't play around with it and that's the way it goes with addicts so if you're if you were using at at a extremely high pace in the bat in the past and then you try to fuck with it a little bit now you're still you're still an addict that's what it is like you can't you can't fucking play around with shit that's why i think it's it's crazy when people decide that oh i'm hooked on pills okay well i got off pills now I'm just going to go have a few beers. That's not the way shit works. An addictive mentality doesn't allow you to fucking choose another substance. It doesn't allow you to pick another vice. It doesn't do that shit. So that that's just number one as far as the addiction thing, man. I I know a little bit about this shit. I, I, I do. So Nick was so addicted to fucking pills that he robbed a goddamn bank in broad daylight. Everybody knows it. Now, I got pissed off throughout those fucking, those years. Listen, man, 
support him all you want. Hook up his commissary, write him notes, all of that stuff. Hey, man, I'm a huge Nick Gage fan. I'm all for all of that shit. As soon as I see it, saw the free Nick Gage shirts, I was like, this is some old dumb shit. Because first off, if you rob a, I mean, that, that's just, bond, that's nobody's fucking you. Nobody's fucking you. You're not, you're not getting done wrong. No, nobody's against you. Motherfuckers are against people robbing banks. I'm pretty sure I'm cool with that law. You know what I'm saying? So, free him. Well, free him. I mean, he robbed the bank, but I really like when he fucks people up in the wrestling ring. So, let's get him out of there. Like, whoa, whoa, what are you, retarded? I don't understand what the fuck that means. Free him, to Kate. Free him for what? Shit. He has a sentence because he did some crazy shit. That, that's what happens. That That's life. A lot of this goes back to it being life, and and I don't think uh, a lot of people are living in an alternate universe and, and shit. They're making up their own rules to things, and they're getting mad because their rules aren't applying to people who live a normal, regular life. Um, I you know I've been through a lot of different things in my past, and I've never been one of those people who um who who liked police very much. I, I you know. I've always, uh, you know, because, hey, man, I, I smoked weed almost every fucking day for probably 15, 16, 17, something like that, I, a lot, that many years. And it was it was my deal, you know what I mean? So I, you didn't ever want to see a cop because you might have had some shit on you. I mean, that, that's the way it was, you know. So I, I get that. As far as the just blanket fuck the police statement, because you got caught fucking up. I don't get that. I don't get that because even in times where I was up to no good, I knew that if I got caught, I fucked up. It wasn't that I was sleeping in my bed, they came through a fucking bag of a bag of weed on my pillow and then beat the shit out of me and handcuffed me. No, I was out fucking somewhere with some illegal shit and then I got fucking caught. So... That that's some shit that you know during his his uh you know his stay in prison, I never got the whole free negage thing. Do I want to see him out? Sure. Do I want to see him in the ring? Sure. But hey, I, I also look at things at a little different pace. Where I and I said it the whole time, and you know, hey man, he played the tough guy role. He he got on his fucking shoot interviews as soon as he got out. Well, fuck people who said that you know maybe I shouldn't be wrestling. Okay, I'm sorry. Maybe you fucking shouldn't. Because six months didn't even fucking pass, and he still didn't stay clean. This dude was so fucked up on drugs that he robbed the bank in broad daylight, did four years in fucking prison, and then somehow wasn't even out six months, and he fucking, and he failed his shit. And I don't want to hear about technicalities about exactly what happened or whatever. He violated probation on, on, that, on that level of shit. You know what I mean? On a piss test. Regardless of how you want to paint the way it went down. He he failed the piss test. You know, like if you if you go to um, you know, a breathalyzer type thing and you tell them you ain't taking it, well then you failed it because there's a reason you didn't you didn't do it or or you took another route. You know what I mean? So he failed the fucking thing. And and if anybody sees that as not a big deal, they're fucking delusional. Because if someone's life is so fucked up that they rob a fucking bank in broad daylight because they're hooked on pills, do four years in prison, and they're not even out six months before they're doing it again. That's dangerous. That's dangerous as fuck because 
if it didn't even set into you to go, man, that is the last fucking thing I'm going to do again. And he went on all the fucking shoot interviews. I'm done with drugs, man. That shit's behind me. I'm at a new place. I'm at a higher level. Da-da-da-da-da. All bullshit. Because within six months, he did something to fucking fail. It, it's, to me, and, and hey, man, if you're the minority that's able to do that type of shit, good for you. But as far as I'm concerned, you, for the most part, a recovering addict shouldn't be in, in a wrestling fucking locker room. There's a lot of shit that goes on in the wrestling locker room, and I'm not even saying just with the boys because the fucking fans treat these dudes like royalty, and they start handing them shit. Shit comes free, shit comes easy, and shit comes fast and often. And guess what? If you're trying to fucking abstain from something, if you're trying to stay away from something, and it's being handed to you for free, there's only so long that that shit's going to last before you, you cave. You surround yourself with the shit that you're trying to stay away from. That, that's not a good look. It, it's really not a good look. So in the minority, there's probably a few people that are able to maintain and, and get through that. Like, look at Drake Younger. I mean, he, he fucking did his thing. But I'd say it's a very thin um, percentage of people that actually do make it through that. All right? So the fact that, that he failed his shit and he's back in fucking trouble again is a big fucking issue. It's a problem. And everybody just went back to fuck the police. Yeah, I can't believe they got Nick. They got Nick? What the fuck are you talking about? This fucking guy was on parole, and he failed a fucking drug test. How is that not, how is that not his fault? Especially after drugs got him into the shit to begin with. And then we're turning around and going, fuck the police, because don't even have shit to do with it. He went to a parole officer. That's not a cop. What the fuck are we talking about? And then then it's like, oh, okay, well, everybody fucking raise money for him because we need to get him out. Do we? Do we really? Because, look, man, let, let me explain something to you. I don't remember a time where I was fucked up on my money where a bunch of wrestlers got together and fucking bailed me out. And maybe that sounds fucking crazy to you. Maybe that sounds fucking crazy because you know why? The fans are the ones that pay the wrestlers' bills. Without the fans showing up and wanting to see, see, uh, you know, this guy or that guy in the fucking ring, that dude doesn't get booked anymore. That dude's bills aren't fucking paid. So the fans are the ones who pay the wrestlers' bills. Now, when the wrestlers get in some shit, now, now that it's the fans, it's the fans' responsibility to pay for more bills. Weird, because if the fan, a.k.a. the one who pays the wrestler's bills, gets into trouble, the wrestler's not going to go bail out the fan so then he can continue to pay his bills. The wrestler's going to go, that's a fucking shame. Hey, man, that was a good guy. That's a shame. Again, the same fucking fan who's now all of a sudden your brother and your friend and your buddy and all this bullshit, he's supposed to pay out his fucking money that he, he lives a normal life and he, he obviously isn't in fucking prison. So he should pay out his money to get you out because, I mean, you spent four years in prison, didn't even spend six months out and bounce yourself back in there. So now we should come out of our pocket for you to do what? Look, I hope he goes into rehab. I hope he gets his shit right. And I'll say the same shit as I said the fucking last time when he was in. Before he got out. 
if it takes for him to never wrestle again, and I know no one wants to fucking hear that, and if it takes for him to never wrestle again in order to stay clean, sober, and live a long, healthy, happy fucking life, then that's what the fuck I'm about. I'm for whatever works for this fucking guy, legit. Playing the game, not fucking, let's see if we can get somebody, you know, to piss in this cup for me. Let, let's see if I can take this shit to flush my system before I go see that dude. No, you can't maintain. You weren't under any regulations whatsoever when you went and robbed a motherfucking bank. So let, let that be your fucking, your your measuring stick as far as, you know, whether you can play the game and the probation and all of that stuff. Because what do you think it would be if he didn't have to piss in a cup? Do you think he'd be just as controlled? If we're calling this controlled, would he be just as controlled if he had no one to fucking answer to? I mean, he's already lying to the motherfucking fans on, on shoot interviews, talking about he's done with drugs. It wasn't even six months, and, and he's back. So so what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Uh, now, let me explain to you my situation, okay? Uh, this had to been, fuck, man, I've been back here for a while. So this is, I mean, close to 20 years ago when I was up north. Um, I, I went... Um, you know, like I said, I was, I was big with the weed. Now I went with this other dude who I knew through my friend that he was more or less getting the weed. Right. So, uh, it was a whole deal. It wasn't really my shit, but I was whole, I was going to be the one carrying it or whatever. I was more or less set up. So we go to Harlem and, um, we, we get there, we, we take the cab from the fucking the train station and um we get to this joint and the guy goes upstairs the other dude i went with uh he was a puerto rican dude um i'm only saying that because it'll make a difference in a minute um he goes upstairs and gets it it's fucking 12 ounces right this shit was like a football of motherfucking weed right he slides the shit across the fucking cab the the cab seat I proceed to figure out how the fuck I'm going to get this shit on my person because, yeah, like, where the fuck do you put a football uh, of wheat? You know what I mean? Like, it was more than it was supposed to be. So I'm, I'm like, jostling with this thing and, like, like just, just really having come up with, like, a legit, like, what, what I'm going to do. We get, like, around the block and whoop, fucking lights. So I'm like, oh, fuck. I mean, I just went, like, I dropped that shit on the floor and just started booting it under the cab seat, right? So, obviously, it's a cab. They're going to find whatever the fuck's in the cab. So uh, they they pull us over, fucking pull us all out of the car, um, pulled all my shit out of my pockets. Um, right off the bat, um, first thing they do is, I, at the time, I still smoke cigarettes and shit because I smoked cigarettes for 14 years, and then I stopped, um, you know, I don't know, probably 10 years ago or some shit like this. Um, so um, I, uh, what do you call it? So they immediately pull my cigarettes, lighter, all that shit out of my pocket, and there's, like, a bunch of cop cars in the middle of fucking Harlem, and, and they're like, who, who wants some cigarettes? Who smokes Newports? Who wants these shit? Like they, they're auctioning my shit off in the middle of the street before, like I, I know fucking anything. I obviously know shit's going down, and 
and you know, shit isn't going well, but they're like just auctioning my shit off in front of me, more or less. Like any of these cops want some cigarettes, so I'm like, I'm scared as fuck, man. Like no bullshit. So that shit happens. They immediately talk to the, the Puerto Rican dude, Vic, and um, they get him to rat out the spot he got it from, right? So they send him up to the fucking, they send him up to the fucking. Uh, apartment with them to like point out the fucking place they go up there they get a couple pounds and shit right so now they fucking let him go they they let him go like they didn't bring him to the precinct nothing they let him out of the fucking van it was tnt who's like the main drug enforcement for new york so they let him out of the fucking van on the street we're like get the fuck out of here that that was it he was done. So they put all this fucking weed, the shit that they got, and then the other shit, the couple pounds, on the fucking dashboard. These guys pull up to the fucking the corner where the dudes were that I guess lived in that fucking apartment, fucking beeped at them, held the bag up, and looked at them and was like, look what we got, motherfuckers. We'll be back. I'm sitting in the back. Now I'm the only motherfucker back there. They're looking at me like I'm some shit. I'm like, what the fuck? So they get me to the, the Harlem precinct cell. Now, you know, motherfuckers are looking at me because they're walking in with, like, pounds of this shit. Like, what the fuck was this dude up to? And um, so in their system, was something's fucked up with the system, whatever. So between the Harlem precinct cell and central booking, I was there for 24 hours. Um, so that shit was fucking terrifying to me because I had never been in no shit like that before. And... Um, then the wrestlers showed up and bailed me out. No, no I'm just kidding. Um, that didn't happen. Um, so my thing is, is listen, like I get, you know, I get into the fucking precinct cell right before the fucking, uh, not the precinct cell, the, uh, the judges chambers right before the hearing or right before I'm supposed to, as far as I know, I'm getting bailed out. And, um, and they're, they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to let you know whether you're getting bailed out today whether they're going to let you get bailed or whether we're just sending you to Rikers and shit. And I'm like, Oh fuck. That was, that was it. Yeah. I mean that like that fucking melted my shit. Like I was fucked. I was like, nobody ever told me that this was an option. You know what I mean? Like as far as I knew, and even the cops, cause I was scared as fuck initially were telling me like, nah, nah, it's no big deal. You know, this is only weed. And I'm like, well shit. So, um, so anyway, they let me get bailed. And uh, later on, they dropped it from a felony to a misdemeanor. So I had three years probation and a bunch of community service. Um, bottom line is, when I got done with that shit, like when I left that motherfucker, I, I had this feeling like I fucked up. I didn't have a feeling like those motherfucking cops, those guys fucked me, number one. Number two, I didn't expect, listen, like in that situation... I had, you know, probably up north I had a bunch of friends. Down here I really didn't. Uh, still really don't. But, like, probably 15, 20 fucking friends that I hung out with, right? It wouldn't even cross my mind to ask those 15, 20 friends to chip in $10 a piece in order to pay what the fuck I had to pay. It wouldn't cross my fucking mind to ask my friends, friends that I hang out with on a regular basis, hey, do you think you can give me $10 and fucking, and this isn't even lend because you got to go what the fucking all these donations are. This isn't like I'll pay you back type shit. This is, 
I want you to donate money to me. I wouldn't go out, and, and I don't think there's a lot of other people that would. Is there is there really people out there to go, and they need a lawyer, and they just go and ask all their friends, yo, $10 each, man, let me get this lawyer. Nobody fucking does. That's not a normal thing to do. So in my opinion, it's taking advantage of fucking people. And, and to me, hey, man, call it what you want to call it, but I think it's taking advantage of stupid people, people that ain't got shit to do with their money, and, you know, whatever, man. These wrestlers, they want to go out there. They want to help their fucking dude. They go help your fucking dude. And, and you know, much respect to Corp and uh, Randy West and all those people that are going out there to help their dude. But they're doing it through the fucking fans. They're guilt-tripping the fans. And this this is what it is, man. You wouldn't do that shit with your actual friends. But now the fans who pay your bills, you're, you're making them go further than they were ever you know, asked to go in order to get the dude out that he fucked up. They didn't fuck. The fans didn't fuck up. And, and you know, and this shit keeps happening with injuries, with, with motherfuckers in jail, with, with all this shit. So it's like if a, if a wrestler just decides to live like a reckless life, well, then that's on the fans then? Because they like you as a fucking a performer and you pretend to be friends with them in the fucking parking lot for 10 minutes? How does that make sense? Or, or man, if you do some dangerous shit in the ring and you you fuck up something in the ring, well, shit, now the fans should all chip in to fix, fix your fucking injury. Well, guess what? Maybe, maybe I don't want to do this fucking being a fan of wrestling shit because if you're doing crazy shit in the ring, now I got to worry about if you get hurt because then I don't have to pay for it. You know what I mean? If I'm a real fan, yeah, you, you're doing some crazy shit. I see you drinking out back. Hey, hey man, maybe, maybe you tone that down a little bit. Now, normally that ain't my business, but... If I'm the one in charge of bailing you the fuck out, maybe, maybe, hey man, what do you got there? You know, what are you smoking? Maybe, maybe it's my business if, if I'm gonna have to pay for you to get bailed out. Is what I'm saying. I, I just, I, I don't like it. I, I, I think it's fucking crazy. And again, I hope he gets out, and I hope he goes to fucking some expensive fucking rehab, and I hope he gets this shit right. But it just, it really fucking bothers me when it becomes everybody else's fucking problem. Can you imagine hiring a fucking landscaper, right? He comes to your house, he's doing your lawn. Man, you love the way he fucking trims up the fucking bushes. This dude plants some banging-ass flowers, some annuals every year. Does them real nice. Got a good, like, color combo. He's got a good guy he goes to for the flowers. So he always gets, like, top-notch stuff. Looks straight out of, like, a showroom. You know, lawn is always immaculate. It looks like a golf course, right? You pay him all the time. Sometimes you throw him a tip and stuff. You know, it's hot, man. You go out there, you hook him up with a, some, some lemonade or, you know, some shit, man. Every once in a while, you throw this dude a six-pack or something. You know, show him, hey, thanks, man. You know, you, you're doing a great job out here. Next thing you know, fucking phone rings, and it's your landscaper going, yo, I'm in prison. Um, I'm going to need lawyer fees. You know, who the fuck is this? Can you imagine anybody else that you're already paying for their services calling and hitting you up because now they need lawyer fees or now they just, hey, man, I fucking, you know, I, I blew out my shoulder at the fucking, you know, picking up a, picking up a load of fucking dirt over here. And um, I'm thinking, man, maybe you can help me pay for this surgery. This shit doesn't make any fucking sense. And I just, I think it's terrible. I really do. And another thing is, like I said, these fucking guys, these wrestlers, they're, they're bros, they're family, they're this, they're that. If you got 10 fucking wrestlers and all those dudes, you need fucking $600 to 
You need $800. You need a grand. You can't get 10 fucking guys to put 100 apiece. You got to just turn it on to fans to give what you can, give what you can. I mean, on some, some real shit. I mean, if this is this is your boy, this is it. Everybody throwing a hundred dollars, and I by I mean everybody. I mean all your fucking wrestler friends. You ain't got ten fucking wrestler friends. These guys are making money doing the same thing that you're doing. So if you value them in that in that aspect, why is it on the fans? Let it be on you if that's if you want to shoulder that burden, have at it. You know, I mean shit. They just had the fucking Nick Gage Invitational, right? They used this fucking name to get the fucking tournament over. To to get all these fucking people coming in, all fucking night. Gage ain't there because he's away. Uh, he's da, da, da. this is for Nick. This is for Nick. This shit is for Nick Gage. This is for Nick Gage. Yo, let's get a Nick fucking Gage. Let's get an MDK thing. It was a Nick Gage fucking pep rally. Besides being an awesome show, all night we had to hear this is for Gage. This is for Gage. This is for Gage. This is for Gage. You had a good fucking turnout that night. So when it comes down to this dude needs fucking lawyer fees. Why is that the fence? I thought that was for Gage. So so where's the money for Gage if if that shit was for Gage? You know what I mean? It's for Gage just like let's let's yell his name and let's make the fans like fucking GCW. But when it comes down to this is for Gage, why do why the fucking fans need to pay up lawyer fees? I mean, that, I feel like I just heard that something was for Gage a minute ago. You had a good amount of paying fucking fans that were already there, buying shirts, buying fucking tickets, buying refreshments, buying whatever the fuck. Somehow. All that shit gets lost in the shuffle, and now it's still back on the fans. You pay for tickets for that? Yeah, that was for Gage. But I mean, like, for Gage, like, for you to pay again, because now he needs lawyer fees. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just I, I just don't respect it. I just don't. And, and hey, man, if you want to pay, you want to pay your shit, and you want to get Gage out, you want to do that, do that, whatever, fine. It, it's fine. It's just my opinion on shit. And, you know... I mean, hopefully people don't get too offended about what I said, but this is just reality, man. This is real fucking life. If I get into some shit today, I've been fucking, which I won't because I'm, I'm a fucking respectable, um, responsible adult with kids, and I work six fucking days a week, which does not translate to bailing other people out who don't do responsible shit and, and hold a fucking job down and, and do everyday fucking work. You know what I mean? That's not what I would do, but if some shit happened with me, there's not a motherfucker in the wrestling business, and now again, I put a shitload of money in wrestlers' pockets by being a fan for fucking well, well over a fucking decade. Now, I put a, I bought fucking t-shirts, I fucking, I, I've done this, I've done that. Motherfuckers ain't gonna bail me the fuck out. Well, why not? I, it seems like I've done more for them than they've done for me as far as, as financially. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, so it's trying, to put, it's trying to pull blood from a stone because you're going right back to the same thing that already gave you money and going, hey, man, I remember how you had that wallet open. Um, I, I, might need a, I, I might need some more of that shit. You know what I mean? Like I just, I just feel like it's really taking advantage. One of the, one of the smartest things that Necro Butcher has ever said before he started punching women in the face and and wrestling with Hep C and shit. He, um, you know, he he had this little interview thing where he he was talking about the t-shirts and shit, and he's like, I never, he's like, I never would sell merch. He's like, merch is it's bullshit to me. These guys are fucking working real jobs. And I got to find that clip somewhere, and I'll play it next week. And they're working real jobs and busting their ass, 
and what they're doing for their entertainment is they're coming out and they're paying my motherfucking bills and helping me live my fucking dream of being a professional wrestler because without these people paying to pay to see what I do, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. How, how dare I wave a bunch of pictures and shirts in front of this guy and say, we want more money. That That's, that's not something I should be doing. That's not my business. So to take it to an even further extent, and now playing for bails and surgeries and laptops and fucking whatever the fuck you feel like, that shit is taking crazy advantage, crazy advantage of people. But again, I mean, if, if that's that's what you're into, that's what you want to do, some dude last night on this fucking uh, this thing, on this uh, raise money for Nick Gage thing, he fucking paid the, the last $400 of that shit, 400 fucking dollars, because he wants uh, Corp to run a deathmatch tournament in Wisconsin. Guaranteed if they run a deathmatch tournament in Wisconsin, he paid the last $400, and that's what he did. So, so I mean, if that's worth it to him, if that's what the fuck he wants to do, then shit. I mean, I, I generally pay 20 to $35 pretty much tops to go and watch a wrestling show. If this dude wants to pay $400, fuck it. That's on him. You know, but... And, you know, Corp said, man, I like Corp. I really do. I mean, he's a good dude. He's been on the show. He's always really, you know, great to talk to. And, you know, I love what he does out there and everything. But this dude actually said last night on that podcast, and that line really bothered me. He said, this is one of the most awesome causes ever. Bailing a dude out for a fucking parole violation is not one of the most awesome causes ever. Donating to fucking children's cancer foundations is one of the most awesome causes ever. Donating to fucking soldiers who come home and can't get fucking work because they have fucking injuries that, that won't allow them to fucking work or they have PTSD. What a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So... What I make you good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie. So say goodnight to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no food. 